Welcome back to Cactus Pod. My name is Marielle Kirby, and I'm sitting here today with my producer and husband, Brandon Kirby. Hey, everyone. And we are so thrilled to have you all back with us. (laughs) It's good to be back as well. (laughs) (laughs) What about me? (laughs) What about you? (laughs) And I know people have been asking for you. Um, I know that, you know, they heard a lot of me lately, but they certainly missed you. (laughs) 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 So here's our official welcome back. Uh Uh-huh. Brandon Thank you. Kirby. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so everyone, today we want to talk with you all about the value of attending a historically black college or university versus the value of attending a predominantly white institution. And so, Brandon, I know that you attended in HBCU. Aggie, right? <laughs> it's not just a HBCU. It's the HBCU. Let's, let's get that right. Go ahead. <laughs> I know that you attended an HBCU mm-hmm. when you were 18 years old, directly from high school. Hold on. Now you got to get the story correct. <laughs> Why don't you oh, tell you it? Oh, you know what it is. <laughs> so the way the story started out is... I was in Charlotte. It was time for me to go to school. And the way I arrived is by train. I had my one Samsonite suitcase. (laughs) And I jumped on that train. And that Amtrak train took me all the way to Greensboro. And I arrived to North Carolina A&T State University with my Samsonite bag on in May of 2004. (laughs) And you never looked back. (laughs) August of 2004. That's right. And I never looked back. (laughs) Well, tell us, Brandon, what led you to decide to commit to North Carolina A&T? The reason I chose to attend A&T is because of the experience that I had there as a, a younger kid. I used to actually visit my uncle at the time that mm-hmm. was attending there. Mm-hmm. You know, I was young enough to know, kind of understand what was going on, and I really enjoyed the atmosphere. It was nice to to be around people that looked like you mm-hmm. and 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 just partake in the, I don't know, the the environment that it had to offer. And, you know, that was something I really, really grasped onto and I was very excited about. And so when it came time to apply for colleges, you know, all these, you know, another college that was on my mind was not an HBCU and my father had attended it. I thought I was going to go there for a long time, but Mm -hmm. I really, really took to A&T. So that's why I took that route. That's really interesting um, to know that you knew immediately Auntie was in your heart and and you pursued that. Um, You know, I think that this is such a unique time because 
with coronavirus going on and, you know, all of the impact that it's having on students and colleges and universities, um, you know, we know that there's a possibility that students may not be able to go on to campus for the fall or, you know, some students may have to delay attendance. And um, so we certainly are aware of all of the possible challenges that students and families could face. Um, But in the interim, we know that for a lot of students, the decision still will need to be made. It will. Um, And so it's really important to have this, this discussion so that, you know, they know what it actually can be like attending an HBCU. Yeah, Yeah. we want you guys, our listeners, to kind of get just a sneak peek of what is to come. Because I'm quite sure a lot of you may have had family members. Mm -hmm. Or someone you know. Yeah, someone you know. know. It's already went, but, you know, we just want to give you our kind of, you know, what what we think is going to happen. Make a difference. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, unlike... Brandon, everyone, I actually did not attend an HBCU until law school. And one of the driving factors for me in deciding to attend an HBCU is I, you know, I had heard from my father, if you all were able to listen to episodes two and three, you heard him discuss his attendance at Winston-Salem State University. Um, and I also was around when Brandon was going through yeah. um, North Carolina yeah. A&T because I was dating uh-huh. him. I was I was his girlfriend at the time. He's hanging out. Uh, <laughs> I was on campus. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I started to long for that sense of community um, that so many people talk about who have had the opportunity to participate. And so I knew when I was applying to law school that I had to attend an HBCU. I had to. So um, this is a shout out to North Carolina Central <laughs> School of Law. <laughs> you got it in there. <laughs> so, so Brandon, I know that you shared with us a little bit about why you decided mm-hmm. to uh, attend an HBCU. Um, and I guess what, what I'd like to add for me is that, you know, I I did start out at a PWI, which is a predominantly white institution. And while my education there was a solid education, you know, it it was a good experience. Um, I have no complaints as far as, um, you know, being able to achieve my undergraduate degree and um, the faculty, the students and faculty Mm -hmm. were welcoming Um, but there wasn't a point where I sincerely felt a part of that community. You know, I know for North Carolina Central School of Law and for the university as a whole, I will be giving back money as, uh, a recent graduate. Uh And for as long as I'm able (laughs) to, I will be donating to North Carolina Central University, um, because my heart is with. HBCUs. Um, but it's because of that, that community, that relationship between, um, you know, professors of color and students of color. And, you know, even when there were not professors there of color, um, the professors who were there were still engaged, engaged. you know, they were highly engaged. And so I think that's one of the positives is that, you have a diverse faculty who still treat each individual 
as if they are yeah. equally important and as if they have something valuable to offer. I'm have to say the same thing. I, you know, the department that I was in, we had professors as far as, you know, from, from Africa mm-hmm. to from India, mm-hmm. um, all over the world. And it was, it was really cool to get their, their insight or their teaching, how their, their, the way they teach and how they structure their classes all the way, um, to their syllabus. It was really cool just to see the, yeah. the different types of, of learning techniques mm-hmm. applied, uh, it was it was very eye opening, um, yeah. and um, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, I have to agree, Brandon, because coming out of a PWI for undergrad, you know, while my my family, my friends, um, because you know, I have a, a massive family, <laughs> <laughs> as <Yes>. do you, <laughs> um, and so you know, I, I had all of that cultural experience. But being able to attend an HBCU help further develop that cultural pride, you know, yeah. um, that that sense of community and comfort just from day to day, just being able to go to class or or go to an event and just be surrounded and welcomed by yeah. people who do look like you and are trying to do the same things that you're doing, yeah. you know, yeah, go to the same right. places. You're right. Um, yeah. You know, working to succeed, and um, you know there there's no there's no judgment there. There are no racially charged tension that can mm. be present at times. We you know historically that have occurred at PWIs. Oh yeah. And so it really is just a a beautiful time for people of color, not just people who are African American, but anyone of color to go and feel comfortable and feel welcomed and also develop into um, the proud person of color that they will. Right. I agree you know? with you. Um, and so one fact, do you remember I wrote that paper um, a few years yeah, ago? Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Uh, the role of HBCUs in society. And, you know, I think it, it's always important to... Um, just remind people that these universities have a profound impact on the United States and on the world um, and just on on individual families. Yeah, I mean, you can just think about all of the successful uh, African-American people that you see. Most of them went to HBCUs. They did. You know, I know that HBCUs are institutions that were established prior to 1964, for the sole purpose of educating African American students, because we had nowhere else to go, we had nowhere else to go, and so they were created as a safe haven for us. Yeah, and you know when I started at A and T, it was already a great school, and there were some change. There was actually some change going on at that time when I started, mm-hmm. and you could see over the years how they were trying to implement just different practices on how they did enrollment to how they make sure that students got what they needed going through all four years. And they wanted to change the image of, you know, what usually comes with an HBCU. And I think it's really important because it, it's, it really is just a great place yeah. to, to learn and to choose just to, you know, to go to. Right. Yeah. Cause you see a lot of other people that, um, don't get to experience um, 
that side of the HBC is from the inside if you're not really there. But there's really a lot of value um, being there on campus, being a student, working with other students, and just being able to, to grow on campus. Right. You know, I think that um, you raise a really good point when you mentioned, um, you know, sometimes the, the stigma that can come along with graduating from an HBCU. And, and that stigma is, you know, it, there's sometimes the thought process that because these are universities that are, uh, you know, run and, and developed by people of color, that somehow they have less to offer or because they maybe don't always have the same number of resources um, or, you know, the endowments that some of the other universities have, that the education is not a quality education. And that could not be further from the truth. Yeah, I mean, it's top notch. Uh, You know, yeah. You can even just think about the engineering department at A&T. It's been quite some time, but years ago, I mean, they they have a doctorate in nano engineering yeah and there are very few and far between universities that have that and even other things that um that they provide or different uh, majors yeah yeah and um you know and you think about other schools uh, predominantly white universities mm-hmm. my wife was saying like the endowments that they have and that is used for particular aspects of that school um think about if people of color continue to go to HBCUs and give back, it, it's, it's just a different effect. Right. Even even from, if you think of a PWI and you think of their recruitment classes from, you know, college, which college sports is a huge, you know, payday. Yeah. And a, a lot of our players sometimes go to PWIs and that's how they're, they're making a lot of money that way. But Well, I think... I think, Brandon, what you're alluding to is an issue that, um, you know, has been present for so long because we mentioned before that sometimes HBCUs may not have the same number of resources, but they still provide a high-quality education. But to be able to increase those resources and increase the number of students of color who choose to attend HBCUs, um, you know, that that would make a difference because right now, predominantly white institutions um, are sometimes attracting players or other students who could really offer a service to HBCUs. Absolutely. You know, um, and not and to say you know not that those services aren't at HBCUs now, right? But we could take take it to a whole nother level. Right. As far, yeah, yeah, I understand exactly what you mean. Increasing the yeah. funds that HBCUs receive because of the increase in the number of That's students right. who enroll. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just I think, does so much for our community. Yeah, I think that's a, a really whole. valuable perspective. You know, because going back to the idea of the stigma that can be placed on attending an HBCU, for me and for my life, and I and I don't know, I would love to hear from listeners and whether or not listeners have had a similar experience. But I know for me in the position that I work, you know, I work with a team of attorneys who all graduated from either my mm-hmm. um, school of law 
or predominantly white institutions that are highly reputable and well-known in the area um, as well. We are all on the, the same team doing the same job, yeah. you know? And so I don't feel like my opportunities were limited because I attended an HBCU. And I'm going to have to agree with you on that because I feel like going to an HBCU or my experience is so many corporations and jobs come looking at HBCUs for people of color. Yeah. And it's a good thing, you know, because mm-hmm. it wasn't hard to find um, employment for my career. Yeah. Um, because they were out there looking. I had great opportunities even from my professors where you know they talked about different interns and and yeah that we could experience just to get a foot in the door and you know I I do or I have heard of other people looking for jobs or opportunities that I've met working at where I'm working at now Mm -hmm. that didn't go to an HBCU and we talked about kind of you know how hard it was for them to even find the opportunity to even to do this job. Right. Whereas when you're at an HBCU, a lot of them visit so that you can uh, partake in that. That's a really good point, Brandon, because we know that statistics show that the majority of African-Americans who serve in leadership positions did graduate from a historically black university Mm -hmm. These positions include judges, doctors, PhD recipients, and countless others. You know, so I think that there, there is such value mm-hmm. in these institutions. Um, you know, not only that, but they also have shown to close the gap and serve as a bridge between the expectations of society and former educations that are received in different communities. You know, they are the cultivating space for students of color. Yes. Well, I know that despite the proven impact that HBCUs have on society, you know, there there kind of remains this debate. Some who are opposed to HBCUs believe that all they do is contribute to segregation. And, you know, I think that to view HBCUs as an attempt to segregate is, is really the wrong way to view the universities. Yes. What they are are a place for students of color to go and receive the attention and the support that they need to receive and that they deserve to receive. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a hindrance. Mm-hmm. I think it's... A, it's an enhancement. It really does help. Yeah. Help our community. Yeah, it does. It helps our community and it helps the students. And, you know, when I think about students who are Caucasian, who do attend HBCUs, I know based on research that these students do become better leaders because they finally have an opportunity to serve as a minority and to be around other students of color. And that does make them a better leader. So these are universities who, you know, not only support students of color through a relationship between faculty and students that is, you know, really unprecedented at other universities, but they also help to develop 
students who would not otherwise have been surrounded mm-hmm. by people of color. And so we, we have leaders coming out of these universities, um, you know, from all backgrounds. Yeah. And they're stronger leaders because of them. So, baby, I know that you attended an HBCU for graduate school, mm-hmm. which you love. Yes, I did. <laughs> I really did. So my question to you is... Eagles out there. Oh, my I'm gosh. doing the wings. I'm doing the wings. Okay. <laughs> and those are some terrible wings. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to start over and you were choosing a school for undergrad, would you have picked an HBCU instead? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, in retrospect, attending an HBCU for undergrad would have been everything that I was looking for and didn't know I was looking for it. You know, because attending the HBCU North Carolina Central for law school, um, again, I did have those relationships with faculty Mm -hmm. and and staff and, and students. You know, I have several friends that have come out of the law school um, who are really good people and who are working to to serve the community. And um, so, you know, not only did I have that relationship with faculty and, and staff, but also with students, and my education was incredible. You know, it was an incredible experience. And the whole time I was there and I was able to interact with leaders that they brought in from yeah. the community yeah. um, and from across the, the United States uh, who had graduated from North Carolina Central and who also were serving as great examples um, yeah. throughout the nation. And so I am I am so impressed and so grateful to have been able to attend. And, you know, if I could have done it in undergrad, well, I could have. I made the wrong decision. <laughs> you did it vicariously through me. I did it, it vicariously you. through you. <laughs> Um, you know, but if I had it to do again, if I could get four more years of HBCU life, I would do it in a heartbeat. And so, you know, I know that there is a, a question that a lot of people have, and that question is whether or not it's better for students to attend a PWI so that they have the real world experience, you know, and, and when I say real world experience, I mean that they continue to be the minority in their environment. And, you know, my answer to that would be that statistics show that no, HBCUs are a better decision for people of color. They show that success. We know that the majority of successful people of color in our society graduated from an HBCU and that the faculty relationships with students increase the probability of success. I'm going to have to agree with you, love. Going to an HBCU is just as not, if not more, Mm -hmm. culturally enriched. Yeah. We have not only African Americans, but people from all over the world that attend HBCUs. Mm -hmm. And you're able to bounce ideas off each other and learn from each other. And it's it's really a great environment to learn and be in. And, you know, it's something else, Brandon. I'm so glad that you shared that. Um, and, and so, you know, one last comment that I really want to make is um, it's also nice to, to go somewhere where we've had family members go yeah. as well. You know, I had my uncle and aunt to come out of North Carolina Central. I have a little cousin there now. And I think 
you had a little cousin graduate from there not yep. too long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it's nice to have that, you know, legendary experience between family members um, and just kind of share that. It is. That cultural pride. It's, it's really cool. And, and when you say pride, I, I, it reminded <laughs> me of, you know, there's a saying at Auntie is, you know, Aggie <laughs> pride worldwide. Oh, and so yeah. <laughs> when you were in law school at Central, yes. we took that trip to South Africa. Yes. And we went to that museum, right? We sure did. And soon as I stepped inside this museum across the world, all I hear is Aggie Pride, Aggie Pride. <laughs> it's a ton of Aggies yes. visiting there. These are alumni. They just happen to take a vacation there. Mm-hmm. And there they were. It, it was crazy. You know, you know, Brandon, I'm actually so glad that you shared that because um, for the moment, I had forgotten about it, but that was amazing. So, listeners, we were in Johannesburg, yep. um, South Africa. At and the Apartheid Museum, yes, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, we were at the Apartheid Museum, and Brandon had a busload of fans, like instant support. Yeah, they caught me because I had my, my antique gear, I had my hat on, and they right away. Oh, that was that was an amazing thing to witness, I have to say. That was cool. Um, so everyone, we are just so grateful that you tuned in today. Yes, thank you very much. You know, any questions that you have, we encourage you to contact us. Email us at askcactuspod at gmail.com. My name is Marielle Kirby. And I'm Brandon Kirby. And you're listening to Cactus Pod. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe. Talk to you soon.